Greetings and blessings to you this Easter season. I want to welcome you to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. And I'm your hostess for this evening. Unfortunately, our main host, Mark Danis, is not able to be with us tonight, but he is keeping all of us in his prayers. And he will rejoin us in... um, Two weeks, so we have something special tonight. But before I get into that, I have to say happy birthday, blessed, or happy birthday to our Pope, Benedict the Sixteenth. He turns 85 today, and on Thursday, he has his seventh anniversary for becoming a Pope. So um, please keep our dearly beloved Pope in your prayers, especially this week, today on his birthday and on Thursday. Tonight we have a special program on Divine Mercy and the Carmelites. And next week we're going to do a special Carmelite book recommendation. So I'm hoping all you listeners out there will help contribute to the conversation next week. So start gathering those treasures, those books that you like to read about Carmelite spirituality or those that you think would help people in uh, growing in Carmelite spirituality and join me on Carmelite Conversations for our Carmelite Book Recommendation Program next Monday. So on April 30th, Mark Danis will be back with us and will return to the series that we began on the Holy Face. And we had started that last week, and we have three more uh, programs to do on that. But this week and next week, we have um, a, a different setup since Mark is not with us. So... Um, Anyway, tonight I think you're going to really enjoy what we're going to talk about, and we have a very special guest. At this time, I please welcome our special guest, who is a husband, a father, and a deacon, and also a secular discount Carmelite. Good evening, and welcome to our program, Deacon Baldwin. Well, thank you, Francis, and it's just a real joy to be here. I'm so glad that I was able to uh, join you this evening to talk about uh, Divine Mercy. Well, we're glad to have you, and you've been on our program once before, and um, we're so glad you're joining us tonight. And because we're going to talk about Divine Mercy, I've asked Deacon Baldwin if he would please start our program with a prayer um, from the Divine Mercy devotion. Well, I'd be happy to, Francis. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You expired, Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth for souls, and the ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world. O fount of life, unfathomable divine mercy, envelop the whole world and empty yourself out upon us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Deacon Baldwin. So now I have a question for you. Why are we talking about divine mercy tonight? Well, it is, as you know, uh, uh, this last Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter, is Divine Mercy Sunday. Yesterday. Yesterday. Yes. Yes. And uh, and so uh, uh, it's a very timely topic. Uh, but I am a, uh, very interested in uh, and have been for quite some time in the divine mercy because I'm I'm a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we better talk about divine mercy a lot. <laughs> and so it's it's something that uh, uh, that uh, uh, you know uh, hits every one of us where we live, if you will, and and it's just such a uh, a. a a glorious thing that our Lord is so merciful to us, and it's something that uh, uh, reading uh, the dour- uh, diary of uh, Saint Faustina, uh, it just she does 
something about the way that she talks about his mercy just inspires confidence where sometimes, you know, we, we think, can God forgive me for different things that I've done? Uh, uh, and, and St. Faustina just gives us that, that assurance through her writings and through her relationship with our Lord that yes, His divine mercy is there for every one of us. Well, and St. Faustina is the saint that is particularly known for divine mercy, right? Exactly. Except we also know there are some Carmelites that have been talking about it. Of course, lots of saints have been talking about divine mercy. So divine mercy is not new to the church. It's just been accented, right? Exactly. And, and St. Faustina was, uh, uh, just by way of some biographical information, she was very young, uneducated, uh, lived in a convent of the uh, Congregation of Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy in Krakow, Poland around the 1930s. Uh, she hailed from a poor family, struggled on the farm during years of uh, World War I, and, and she was not very well educated, only about three years of formal education. Uh, but through that, and through her humble beginnings, God was able to make uh, just a wonderful saint uh, that is an example for all of us. And I think that's a real key is her humble beginnings. Absolutely. I think Teresa Vavala has said that humility is the foundation upon which we should grow all these other virtues. So It's impossible to grow the other virtues without humility because Without the humility, we cannot accept the grace God has for us unless we acknowledge that we need it. Great. Well, I want to invite our listeners, if you want to participate in our conversation, you can uh, call us toll-free at 1-866-333-6279. Again, that's 866-333-6279. Or you can email us. We have a computer up now, and you can email us at Carmelite, with a capital C, Conversations at yahoo.com. And guess what else? We have a Facebook account, um, so you want to search for us by typing in Carmelite Conversations. And I'm actually learning how to post on there, so <laughs> I invite you to connect with me over there. So uh, I think a good place to start here would be to talk about this devotion to divine mercy. Now, I understand there are five forms um, to the divine mercy devotion. What are those five forms? I think we have, we start with the image, right? Yeah, the image uh, uh, is one that St. Faustina actually had commissioned uh, and uh, uh, actually went through a couple different versions of it before she found one that she was satisfied with. All right, what does this look like? So our listeners will get an idea in their head in case they haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, we have Jesus standing. Uh, he's enrobed, uh, and there's two rays of light proceeding from his sacred heart. Uh, one is white uh, or pale, and the other is red. Uh, and it's just uh, emanating from his heart. And the pale rays stand for water, which gives us righteousness in our souls, whereas the red stands for the blood, which is the life of the soul. Right. And I have also attributed the white or the pale ray to be a symbol of baptism and the purity, the cleansing uh, effect of baptism. And then the red um, identified with the Eucharist and sacrificial uh, life, the, the sacrifice that Christ gave us on the cross. 
Absolutely. I mean, water goes way, way back in terms of its cleansing power and has physical symbolism as well as such sacramental symbolism going all the way back to the creation of the waters and God breathing his spirit upon the waters. Oh, good. And then that just makes me think of uh, the red with the blood. Blood was required in a covenant, was it not? Absolutely. The blood is the lifeblood of the body. And so that sacramentally is also the lifeblood of our soul is received. Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity. Right. And isn't this the image, too, where Jesus has his hand up in blessing? Yes, yes. Yes. And it's, it's, it's one that we can meditate upon and just receive such, such consolation from knowing that he is actually reaching out to us, blessing us, and desiring to bring us his divine mercy. And now in the diary, um, this image was something that was given to St. Faustina, right? She didn't concoct it on her own, right? Correct. Yeah. She, uh, uh, the Lord gave it to her. Now, after that, she did commission a couple artists to try and put down on paper, if you will, what she saw in her mind that the Lord had given her. And there are a couple images, and I think there's a, a couple documents that you can find some early versions. And in fact, I think in her diary, there's a couple versions there that uh, that you can see. She wasn't really happy with those first couple <laughs> I was going to say she was pretty disappointed, but I'm like, if you're looking at Jesus, his glorified body, you know, in, in this image, you know, how could anything <laughs> portray that? Sure, sure. So it was a real grace uh, in and of itself that uh, that we were able to get an image that uh, so closely matched what uh, what uh, the Lord had given her. Right, and Jesus said, It's not in the beauty of the color nor of the brush lies the greatness of this image, but in my grace. Absolutely. So again, it is, it's don't get attached to the painting itself, but go to the giver of the gift. Absolutely. His grace is, is something that, that we need to uh, really concentrate on and uh, just m- dispose ourselves to receive. And at the bottom of this image are some words. What are those words? Jesus, I trust in you. Right, right. When I first learned of this, I was in San Antonio and there was a little community of Polish nuns. And um, so when we saw the Divine Mercy image there, which is where I was first exposed to this devotion, they had it in Polish. Jezum ufam Toby. And of course, I have Polish blood in me. My father, my grandfather came from Poland. And so I have this special connection with St. Faustina. And of course, we also know what great pope came from Poland. John Paul II. (laughs) Who happened to canonize St. Faustina (laughs) and also institute this feast day of the Divine Mercy image. So now that takes me to the second form of devotion, and that is this Feast of Mercy, which was celebrated um, worldwide yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. It's Divine Mercy Sunday. Uh, uh, this was instituted by uh, John Paul II in a uh, surprise announcement uh, for the, at the canonization of St. Faustina in the year 2000, April 30th. And, uh, and the crowds uh, went wild. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, wasn't there, but uh, definitely heard the reports. I think on that day, I actually heard some shouting from uh, uh, <laughs> of joy uh, during that time. The world reverberated <laughs> the vibrations of joy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, so uh, yeah, John Paul II was uh, just uh, 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 almost 
prophetic, if you would uh, uh, allow me to say that, in the, our, the world's need for hearing that message of divine mercy. Oh, absolutely. And this canonization of St. Faustina occurred in the month of April. So here we are in April talking about Faustina and divine mercy. How, how appropriate. In the year 2000. And she was the first saint of the millennium of the, of the year 2000. And so doesn't that give us great hope that, you know, we're starting out with mercy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, we tend to focus on what we can do, tend to focus on how, uh, how God works through us. And we really need to change the focus to how just God gives us the mercy and the ability to work. Yes. And so this, um, when we first, before we had this feast day, we had the octave. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, I assume you're talking about the octave of Easter. Right. Yeah. Uh, octaves in the church are have a great uh, 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 jubilee-type character. It's a celebration that... Uh, that that uh, extends the feast that we have an octave of. We have an octave for Easter. Uh, uh, it's an eight-day feast. And so liturgically, the celebration of Easter never ends for those entire eight days. One day cannot contain the joy that we have at the resurrection right. of our Lord. That's a lot of jelly beans and marshmallow peeps, isn't it? <laughs> Too much. Yeah, you need to stop that on the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, our joy extends uh, uh, throughout the entire octave. And there's a similar octave that we have during Christmas in the same way our Lord coming to earth uh, just cannot be contained in that one Christmas day. And so there's an octave that extends there as well. I love the church tradition of this octave, you know, because it's such a big event that, you know, how can we limit it to, to the one day? And so on this eighth day, then um, Pope John Paul II comes along and says, now we're going to call this the Divine Mercy Sunday, and it's not just optional either. Right. All the right. priests are supposed to be talking about God's divine mercy, and don't we need that? Oh, yes, we sure do. And, and in fact, uh, uh, I had the... Uh uh, uh, the uh, blessing to be able to uh, celebrate uh, or uh, join in a celebration of Mass uh, in the Tridentine Rite. And they also uh, celebrate this in the uh, Divine Mercy for this day. And so they've adopted that as well. And so it's just wonderful how both the ordinary and the extraordinary forms both are celebrating this Divine Mercy. Great. Now I want to go to the other three forms of the devotion and then get to the whole reason why, you know, a summation of why we would want to partake of this particular special devotion. I, the third form of devotion was the hour of great mercy. Can you tell us about this hour of great mercy? Yeah, the hour of great mercy is, is 3 p.m. and it's, uh, uh, Corresponds, of course, to our Lord's uh, death on the cross, which, uh, uh, according to the hours of the day, it's measured in a little uh, different time. That was the ninth hour that our Lord uh, died on the cross. But that corresponds to 3 p.m. every day. And so that's a very special time where we remember his mercy because it was the culmination of his sacrifice, the culmination of his passion for uh, for souls, uh, which is another element of, uh, of the mercy. divine mercy. Yeah. Yes. And, and his mercy, certainly, but the divine mercy, uh, uh, devotion as well. And so at three o'clock is a very special time to implore that mercy and to just to remember not only his mercy to us, but our, our, uh, uh mercy and, 
need to pray for souls for salvation, our our uh, desire for the salvation of souls. Right. And you know what? We can all do that. We watch the clock, you know, for lunch, for business appointments, for pickups, uh, you know. Well, I know I do for lunch. <laughs> 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 Coffee breaks. <laughs> so, you know, when that three o'clock hour strikes, just take a moment, all of you listeners, join me um, and in thinking of the Lord, because the the Lord said to St. Faustina, you know, just take a brief moment and think of my passion. And now he also said to her um, something about if she could to pray the 12, the stations of the cross mm-hmm. at that time. Oh, yeah. But if you couldn't do that, then, you know, she, he said, like, sneak into the chapel and, you know, just visit with him for a few minutes. And how many of us drive by the church and don't stop? Sure. And wouldn't it be good if we, we stop and just, you know, five minutes with the Lord? You know, his generosity is so overwhelming that, you know, it'd be well worth our time. We need his help. We need his mercy. So stop in at your local Catholic church and say hello to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Oh, yeah. Spending a few minutes in front of the Blessed Sacrament, it's just it's just something where, you know, we, obviously we, we receive so much more than we give our Lord. But it's an act of devotion showing him our love. And I, I want to emphasize, Francis, that, uh, uh, you know, obviously there are people out there that at 3 p.m., Hey, I don't have an hour off work. I don't have even a few minutes. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. If you can just remember at that three o'clock hour just to take even... 10, 20 seconds and just stop and pause and thank you, Lord, for your divine mercy. Man, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Just an aspiration like that uh, uh, is something that just brings that mercy to our minds. Yes, yeah, so wherever you are in that instant, just uh, take a take a in quick interior detour Francis? <laughs> to, the, to your soul. Yes, you have Marika on the line. Oh, wonderful. Marika, hello. <laughs> Hi, Marika. Hi. How are both of you doing? Happy feast day. <laughs> Thank you. We're doing very well. I'm Thank so you. glad you're calling in. Um, I, I just wanted to share um, with, with both of you and our listeners, um, I learned about Divine Mercy um, back in 19, I guess it was 89, when, or 88 actually, when we moved to the Philippines. That little island nation has such a wonderful love um, for the Divine Mercy devotion that they actually... Um, at 3 o'clock, would stop all of the major networks on television and put the mm-hmm. image of our Lord on the TV and say the 3 o'clock prayer. And oh. that just so moved me, because the announcer would say, and we have just prayed to our Lord Jesus Christ as one nation. And I, I, mean, I thought, wow, what if we did that in the West? <laughs> what a joy. That is just so incredible. I did not know that. What a, what a testimony to everyone. Yes, yeah, I mean, thank you for telling like us. To do something so powerful to stop as one nation at 3 o'clock, all their major networks, and put the image of Jesus, and let's just pray, you know? That's yes. Just, that's just amazing. And I remember I got so excited, I wrote Mother Angelica a letter. Of course, her, her network was was um, very young at the time. That was the EWTN, right? Yes, and I remember writing her about what the Philippine people were doing with regard to divine mercy of course at that time it was still rather unknown um you know there weren't very many prayer groups around still in at least in the united states they were still getting underway 
but I remember setting my watch at 3 o'clock, and that's when I started doing that. And I thought, what a cool thing. If you're in the grocery store, you know, your little beeper goes off, you can just stop right there for a second and, and just remember Jesus on the cross, you know, oh, and, and in whatever way. Oh, and what a testimony to people who might observe or uh, ask, you know, what 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 were you thinking about something? Oh, I was thinking about our Lord's divine mercy, and and uh, what a testimony that would be. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's not. It doesn't even have to be a long prayer because I know a lot of people are busy, and I was a new mom. I had a little baby then following, and um, so it doesn't. You don't even have to like sit down and have a formal prayer hour if you can't. But you can stop right where you are and just. Remember Jesus for a moment. Um, anybody can do that anywhere, and make the prayer your own if you don't have the little booklet memorized, or or if you're still learning the prayers. And oh, just, that's a yeah. Go ahead. That's wonderful. I'm so glad you're calling in to tell us about that. I had no idea that there was a nation out there doing this. <laughs> yeah, and and it's, it 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 really surprised me. But um, you know, God always uses the small. <laughs> I wonder if Poland is doing this. I was asked, I was wondering the same thing. What do you, what do you know about Poland in this, Marika? Um, well, I know uh, I visited Poland in 1998, and we had a chance to go to the Divine Mercy Shrine on the Feast of the Assumption, and it was a very wonderful grace. And um, that was before they built the big church. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you know of uh, Dr. Brian Thatcher from Florida. He is... Um, he leads a huge uh, Divine Mercy um, movement in the Florida area, and um, he's mm-hmm. now gone international, and he travels back and forth there and goes to Stockbridge. But um, anyway, uh, there was a lot of work going on back then. Um, they were talking about the church being built and everything, and I remember just feeling um, just uh, that, that grace, that special mercy, just feeling loved. And, you know, in that little shrine, we were in the, the old chapel where Sister Faustina um, would pray and where her, where her tomb is in that wall. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that little chapel, um, but it, uh, it was just, just such a blessing to just be able to sit in that church and make a holy hour on the Feast of the Assumption. And, um, you know, you, you won't know until you get to heaven, like, what kinds of things your prayers will have, what kind of impacts you've had, um, you know. Right. Yeah, with your prayers and things, but it was just such a wonderful blessing just to have that opportunity to um, to be there. And then um, I guess not. It was it was just a few years ago. I was leafing through a magazine, a Catholic magazine, and they showed the uh, the church, the big giant church um, that they have built, and pilgrims just coming, and uh, just just the change, you know, since um, Pope John Paul's um, pontificate and what he brought. Um, to life with the um, Divine Mercy uh, movement and, you know, just, you know, his his love and his understanding of Sister Faustina and what this means to the world. And, you know, that, that was just phenomenal. I mean, in 2000, when uh, the Divine Mercy um, feast was instituted, that, that was huge. That was just a huge thing. Yes, and, and of course we know Pope John Paul II is known as the Divine Mercy Pope, and here he died on the vigil of the Divine Mercy Sunday. And I'm like, oh boy, the Lord really confirmed him, didn't he? <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. So, well, I just thank wanted you. to share that brief comment with both of you that, you know, anyone can practice Divine Mercy. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just in a little way, just remember Jesus at 3 o'clock. 
All right. Well, thank you for calling in, Marika. We really appreciate oh, you're that. Welcome. And I'm and uh, I'm enjoying listening to this Carmelite conversations of yours. Thank you well, thank so much. You. <laughs> now, for for the people who can't get to Poland, there is a shrine here in the United States, and it's in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And I had the privilege of traveling there, and you can see it online. In fact, they have a website, um, and it has a lot of information about the Divine Mercy devotion, and it is www.thedivinemercy. Mm, let's see, is it dot? It's .org, thedivinemercy.org. That's a wonderful website if you want to go in and learn a lot more about this devotion. Now, we still have two more forms of devotion, devotion to Divine Mercy to talk about before we get into our Carmelite connection. And um, we need to take a break now. But when we come back, we'll talk about the chaplet and the novena, and then we'll tell you about a special Carmelite connection to the Divine Mercy devotion. We'll be right back. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. 
back to our discussion, our Carmelite conversation on Divine Mercy. And we have two more parts of this devotion to Divine Mercy. We started talking about the image and the feast day, which was yesterday, and the hour of great mercy, which is 3 p.m. And, you know, a a lot of people will also say 3 a.m. because they wake up in the middle of the night and they think of, okay, where was Jesus at 3 a.m.? And he's probably down in that prison, you know, chained up and being beaten, whatever. So, you know, we all uh, many people will also think of praying, especially at that time as well. Oh, perfect. So both 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. But now we have two more aspects of this devotion, the chaplet and the novena. So Deacon Bodwood, could you talk to us a little bit about this chaplet of Divine Mercy? Yeah, the uh, chaplet is uh, uh, roughly patterned uh, uh on the rosary and it's just uh just a beautiful beautiful prayer where we say the our father the hail mary and then go through the creed and then Based on the beads, uh, on the Our Father bead, uh, I'd, I'd like to just read the prayer because it kind of captures what we're uh, what we're trying to accomplish here. Is Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. And that really captures what this entire devotion is doing: is trying, is asking God, imploring our Lord to apply that divine mercy of his on our sins and for those of the whole world again just emphasizing that thirst for souls that uh, our lord has and that we are called to have as catholics and then on the small beads what do you pray on the small beads you pray for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world and so this is a very simple chaplet it's very easy doesn't take a whole lot of time, but while you're praying these prayers, you're meditating, you're, you're thinking about Jesus in mm-hmm. the passion and, and his great merciful love. Because, you know, he died for us. He took on our sins and the way he looks like on the cross, all scourged and uh, crowned with thorns. I mean, that's a, a physical manifestation of what our sins look like oh, yeah. uh, in the spiritual realm. So, um, and really a manifestation of his love for us. It's, it's evidence of his love for us because each one of those wounds that he received is basically saying, I love you. Right. Just like any parent would rather take the the broken foot or the illness of your kid instead of watching them suffer through it. <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, so it's a, a, a beautiful chaplet. And... Um, didn't uh, our Lord say to St. Faustina something about if you prayed this chaplet over dying souls, something special would happen? Uh, it would help f- help them at this dying hour. Oh yeah, especially at the uh, uh, at the hour when people need it most. Saint Faustina was promised that this would be especially an effective intercession to bring on their behalf. And 
let me go ahead and just quote from uh, uh, from her diary. Whoever will recite it will receive great mercy at the hour of death. And when they say this chaplet in the presence of the dying, I will stand between my father and the dying person, not as the just judge, but as the merciful Savior. And- and that's such a comfort uh, to both, uh, uh, you know, the person dying and also those of us who are interceding for those souls who, who perhaps are dying without the benefit of knowing uh, uh, the great mercy that our Lord has for them. And didn't she say something about even the most hardened sinner, if they prayed this chaplet and they really trusted in his mercy now, that's the the key right exactly. they've got to trust in his great mercy that he, they would be shown mercy yes uh, even if and I'm quoting again even if there were a sinner most hardened if he were to recite this chaplet only once he would receive grace for my infinite mercy I desire to grant unimaginable graces to those souls, and here's the key, who trust in my mercy. And who would be the most, the exemplar, if you will, of the this hardened soul who asks God for mercy? Well, um, the thief on the cross. <laughs> That's who immediately came to mind. The good thief. The good thief. St. Dismas. The <laughs> there was one thief, uh, yeah, the other thief who uh, uh, did not trust in his mercy right. uh, 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 to, uh, to his grace great detriment and and uh, were uh but the good thief yeah and i said he was saint but i you know is he a saint or is it just dismiss i can't, i don't remember but anyway if he's in heaven which we know he is um or at least he was supposed to be with our lord oh, this he day is. He so is. he should be a saint <laughs> our lord said this day you will be with me in right. heaven so maybe so. not canonized but exactly. <laughs> that's one that the lord said was there <laughs> so praise god for his Great divine mercy. But I think that's something that we need to emphasize is that this is not a magic formula. This is not something that we can just say in God is the divine candy machine that, hey, well, God, we gave you your prayer. Give us the blessing. You mean if I if I just say the words, it doesn't work? No, right. no, absolutely <laughs> right. not. Absolutely not. I desire to grant unimaginable graces to those souls who trust in my mercy. And so it it presupposes that we've disposed ourselves however quickly or however long that took quickly for this for the uh, thief on the cross but for someone who it might take a lifetime for their soul to become disposed for that mercy that is an essential element this is not a magic formula nothing our god reads our hearts and souls he knows right now this reminds me of the prodigal son when he goes away and becomes this hardened sinner and yet then he has this conversion and he comes back and he believes and trusts in his father's love. Absolutely. And the other thing about that uh, uh, particular parable you'll remember is his father saw him at a distance and ran towards him. That is oh. exactly what is going on here with our Lord's divine mercy. Oh, yes. Is he wants to get give us his mercy so badly that he's chasing after us. There's a poet, I'm so bad at poetry, but the the hound of heaven. Yes. <laughs> so God will not leave us alone. So he let us be caught. Be, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right.
right. Now, the fifth form of the devotion to the Divine Mercy is the Novena. Can you tell us about that? What is a Novena, sure. and what does this Novena entail? Sure. The uh, uh, the Novena uh, is a particular form of this devotion. We have the one where we can say the chaplet just any time, but there's a special time just before uh, Divine Mercy Sunday where we can say a Novena, which is essentially a nine-day prayer. It has a different character than the octave that we were talking about before, which is a festive, uh, joyful uh, uh, characteristic of the prayer, a Novena evokes more of a yearning, a pleading for God with something. Uh, The Catholic Encyclopedia says, hopeful mourning. Mm. And I think that is such a great way to describe this novena, because we are mourning for our sins and yet hopeful for God's mercy. And so this hope, this hopeful mourning where for nine days we just ask God for his mercy. And Not hope in the sense that I hope I have a cheeseburger for lunch, but rather (laughs) knowing who we are praying to, knowing that God is faithful, that uh, uh, a a hope in that sense. Right. And and there's categories of peoples that this novena covers. Like the first day, you pray for all mankind, especially the sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second day, uh, you're praying for the pro- souls of the priest and the religious. And then um, it goes on and on with, with different categories of people, uh, those who love the divine mercy, those souls who have separated themselves from the church, uh, for meek and humble souls, and, and on and on. So there's nine uh, categories, and, and all the people who are praying this are bringing down graces of mercy on all of us because of their prayer. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, that just falls right in line with the character of this prayer where we have a thirst for souls. And, and Francis, I think that's something that we really need to engender within ourselves because we live in a society that... Uh, uh, if they think about God at all, it tends to be a me and Jesus type of thing. And it's like, well, I'm okay. Good luck on, uh, for you. Mm-hmm. That's not God's character. Or going to God only when they want something. Exactly. And, you know, he doesn't answer my prayers. So, but God's like, but when, how much time have you been spending asking me for help? You know, <laughs> absolutely. We, we need to, we need to uh, get out of this myopic that is just looking out for ourselves because yes. if Jesus had just looked out for himself, he never would have come down. Right. And so we're to be like Jesus. And so, so, uh, that thirst for souls is something that this devotion helps to engender. And the Lord had a quote, uh, that he gave, uh, to St. Faustina about this. Can, do you remember what that was? Yeah. Let me, uh, let me, uh, 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 go ahead. I've got it here in my notes. I desire that during these nine days, you bring souls to the fountain of my mercy, that they may draw therefrom strength and refreshment and whatever grace they have need of in the hardships of life and especially at the hour of death. Okay, so there's the five forms of devotion to the divine mercy. The image, the feast day, the hour of great mercy, which is 3 p.m., the chaplet, and the novena over the nine days. So why would anybody want to do all of these um, forms of devotion. Well, 
for the salvation of souls. Right. <laughs> to obtain God's mercy for your soul and the souls of others. <laughs> right. So now, St. Faustina, of course, was doing all of this uh, because all of this came as a manifestation of her communications, her mystical, supernatural communications with our Lord. Um, and so these were directed by our Lord. So she just wasn't making these up. These were things that she was directed with, right? Oh, yeah. And I think it's important to uh, uh, just emphasize uh, that it is a article of faith that there are no new revelations that will be received by uh, uh, the church since the death of the last apostle. And so this was nothing new. This was our Lord telling St. Faustina in, in a particular way how much his divine mercy he wants to share with us. And so it's a real blessing, but it's not like, uh, uh, you know, headline, God's mercy is upon us. Uh, no, that's that was evident from the beginning. But it's a special way that uh, that he has revealed to us in these days because we need it in that. We need it so much more now than ever before. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And so, St. Faustina, please pray for us. Now, there is another saint that has a lot in common with St. Faustina on this Divine Mercy. You know, Divine Mercy is not new in the church. It's, like you said, it's been around. But, you know, it wasn't until Pope John Paul II declared that feast day that, you know, the emphasis on the divine mercy through all those readings through that week, um, those eight days, you know, all of a sudden they came out and they were being emphasized. And I'm like, oh, it's been there all along, but we didn't see it. So it's like being like you're peeling an onion Mm -hmm. and a new layer being exposed. So, um, you know, what a great gift this is. And St. Faustina is the apostle of divine mercy. That's her nickname. Absolutely. Uh, And the secretary of the Lord of of the divine mercy. Well, there is so much that is hidden in our liturgy that we can just take take apart and uh, just learn to appreciate when things like that happen. It's just one Wonderful. Now, there's another person who really emphasized divine mercy, and given that this is Carmelite conversation, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps uh, uh, she might have been a Carmelite. Yes, and she's one of my favorites. So, listeners, if you know who that is, <laughs> if you've listened to this program very long, you know who my one of my favorite Carmelite saints is. Of course, it is Saint Therese of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face, also known as the Little Flower. And what's interesting is that Saint Faustina even had a devotion to St. Therese. She prayed a novena to St. Therese. Do you remember anything about that story? Oh, you're going to have to help me out on that one, Francis. Well, I remember something about St. Faustina. Um, She was a novice, and she was going through some difficulties she didn't know how to overcome. And so she started this novena to Therese. And on the fifth day of the novena, St. Faustina dreams of Therese. Do you remember what happened then? Oh, that is the, that is when, uh, St. Therese revealed, uh, uh, to St. Faustina that she was indeed a saint. Uh, St. Faustina asked her to go to heaven, uh, uh, if, oh, I'm sorry, St. Faustina then asked St. Therese if she was going to go to heaven and become a saint. And the little flower assured St. Faustina that she would, but that first she must trust in the Lord. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> first you must trust more. It kind of reminds me of a, of a story of St. Therese. And there was a, um, wasn't it a sister, Fabronia, 
who, uh, you know, Therese was talking about, you know, not going to purgatory, you know, uh, that we should so desire to please the Lord that, you know, purgatory wouldn't be necessary for us. And Sister Fabronia is thinking, you know, Therese is taking this for granted, you know, and, and this was not good. Yes, yes. And, and Sister Therese, or St. Therese says something like, um, you know, you, you'll get what you ask for, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, this sister, when she does die, she comes back to St. Therese and it appears to St. Therese that, yes, Saint, Saint, this sister Fabronia uh, is suffering right now in purgatory and um, that she was look, kind of looking like she'd wish she had listened to St. Therese. So. Well, we will suffer purgatory either here on earth or uh, uh, in, and then uh, before the next life when we go into heaven. So uh, you Let's know, do it now. Let's do it now. <laughs> Therese, help us. St. Faustina, help us do it now. <laughs> All right. So our listening audience, if you want to contribute to our conversation now, we're going to be directing now about St. Therese and St. Faustina. Our number here is one 333 6279 at Carmelite Conversations, Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Or you could email us at capital C, Carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com. All right, so there were some similarities between St. Therese and St. Faustina. Um, first of all, both of them came from devout Catholic families, and they both had a very tender devotion to the Blessed Mother. And they both sensed God's call to the religious light at an early age. And they both were devoted to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Oh, absolutely. And they both saw the importance of doing small things with great love. I think there is a very uh, tight connection here with the little way. Oh, absolutely. Can you tell us about this? Well, the little way, uh, you know, as St. Therese uh, uh, was convinced that even though she had a great desire to be a missionary, even though she had a great desire to do great things for God, she she came to the realization that that wasn't God's call in my life, and so I need to do little things in a great way. So basically, inverting the process here, I want to do I want to do great things for God. Well, no, I'll do little things for God in a very loving way. And so right, with great loving love. much, yes. loving much yes, in, and, in and every little thing. Who else told us this about the loving much? Do you remember? <laughs> it was St. Teresa of Avila, our, our, the foundress of the Discalced Carmelites, who said about prayer, it's not to think much, but to love much. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. What a great way of you know describing prayer. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, we uh, uh, obviously in the Bible it says knowledge puffs up. But our knowledge is limited by our capacity to know our minds. But love is limited by who we're loving. And if we're loving God, it's unlimited. And so our capacity right. to love infinitely is something that God's grace gives us. Yeah, and it's it's a choice of our will. So we don't have to have a great intellect to do that. Exactly. Praise God for that. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> Amen. <hope>. Amen. <laughs> All right. Now, both of them were ordered to write about their lives. Can you kind of tell us about that? Well, um, St. Faustina was uh, 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 operating under obedience, um, and she uh, kept a diary about Jesus's conversations with her. And part of what she was going through is she was putting together uh, uh, the particular aspects of this divine mercy devotion. And... Uh, uh, Somewhat reluctantly, I think that uh, that uh, uh, Saint Therese 
uh, was not uh, uh, particularly uh, uh, anxious to write. Uh, and St. Faustina, uh, I think we have a real lesson there in doing things under obedience and what graces flow from it. And how important that was. Now, didn't St. Faustina have a, a situation where the Lord told her to do one thing and her superiors told her to do another, and because she obeyed, Jesus came back and was very proud of her? Oh, absolutely. So often we have this, again, uh, kind of a myopia. Uh, 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 you know, we want things to happen in our time, not in God's time. And so, but God wants us to be obedient to lawful authority, uh, even if for a time it contradicts, if you will, or puts off uh, what uh, what he has told us to do. And time and time again with the different saints, we learn that God is pleased with obedience. And it's not the last opportunity for God for his will to be accomplished. He will work no matter what. Right. His will always gets done in the end. <laughs> so we might as well cooperate, right? Well, and I'm reminded of the patriarchs. Uh, uh, Moses did not see God's promise fulfilled in his lifetime. Neither did Abraham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, we need to be patient and we need to realize that if we're being uh, impeded for whatever reason, we just put that in God's hands and trust in him, and God's will will be done. Right, and we got to remember, we don't have to be successful in anything. All we got to do is, is love. Exactly. Love God and love neighbor. That's it. All right, so now both of them had a great um, thirst for souls. Um, one example comes to mind um, is the example where Faustina felt called to pray for mercy for sinners. Um, in general, as mm-hmm. well as specific souls who were in danger of death and in need of mercy. And um, there was a man dying, and she saw demons around him. And, of course, others around did not because sure. they weren't seeing it mystically like St. Faustina was. And so, and, what, and there was a priest there, too. Um, but Faustina sees the holy water there, and I, I'm thinking of St. Teresa of Avila and the holy water and how she, you know, she taught us that to get rid of demons, sprinkle the holy water around you. And so Faustina pricks, picks this up and she sprinkles it all around the soul because she knows what great consolation it will be and it will scare the demons away. And um, so, but she got reprimanded that because, it's, you know, the superior was telling her, well, the priest should have done that, not mm-hmm. you. And Faustina's like, yeah, you're right. But, you know, and she accepted the, you know, the correction, but she was still like, but the souls need it when they're dying. They need this holy water oh, around them. So let's sprinkle our, our, our dying souls, sprinkle them with holy water, because in faith we know that that is a great blessing. So, and then there's this incident of Therese praying for souls, interceding for souls, and there was one in particular, the Pranzini incident. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, Pranzini was uh, a murderer, uh, and he was being led to uh, uh, the execution for uh, his crimes, and, and Therese, uh, while she was still a child, was praying for his salvation. And there's a quote uh, that she wrote in her writings that, uh, uh, that, uh, where she said, I would l- have liked all creation to join with me in praying for the grace that was needed by Pranzini. In my heart, I felt certain we shouldn't be disappointed. But by way of encouragement in this practice of praying for sinners, I did ask for a sign. I would like him to show some sign of repentance 
friends just for my own satisfaction. Do you remember what he did? He he uh, 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 venerated the holy wounds in our Lord on the be- just before just before uh, his execution. At that last minute, ah, oh, and so Therese had her sign for. You know the confirmation from the Lord. I just always have to to latch onto that because even Therese asked for a sign, and Faustina asked for signs of confirmation of you know what was the Lord's will. So I I, I think that it's okay um, as long as it, we're not dependent on them, but mm-hmm. they're they're kind of a way of encouraging us. Sure, sure, and it's a consolation if we receive them, but it should not be a a, a discouragement if we don't, because uh, God will give His consolations as He wills. And of course, we know that. That they were both interceding for souls. They were intercessors. In fact, we know Therese is known for uh, saying she would spend her heaven doing good on earth. Exactly. And we know, of course, St. Faustina is pleading on our behalf for divine mercy right now. In fact, they both had this zeal for souls. And I think it's important to emphasize how this is, you know, their particular devotion and zeal was directed towards eternal souls not just as as important as it is for us to love neighbor and to take care of their temporal needs how much more important is it for us to pray for their eternal souls not that one diminishes the other but certainly the eternal is eternal right so and it doesn't cost us anything in terms of uh, 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 our material goods to intercede for our Lord using uh, uh, the divine mercy uh, and pray for the eternal salvation of our neighbor right and so when you're driving out there on the road and you pass a cemetery just offer a prayer for those souls and and you know if, if they're not already with the Lord in heaven you know pray that his precious blood be upon them offer the the wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ um, and uh, you know offer them up to the Lord so that they may be joining him soon so um, Faustina has this great zeal. She, she said, this is uh, one of the quotes from her diary. She says, this is what the Lord said to her. Today, bring to me the souls who are in the prison of purgatory and immerse them in the abyss of my mercy. Let the torrents of my blood cool down their scorching flames. All these souls are greatly loved by me. They are making retribution to my justice. It is in your power, yours too, listener, to bring them relief. All the indulgences... Draw all the indulgences from the treasury of my church and offer them on their behalf. Oh, if you only knew the torments they suffer, you would continually offer for them the alms of the Spirit and pay off their debt to my justice. And I have to think about what we talked on this program last week, which was the Holy Face. So, you know, as I'm praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, I'm every now and then I'm catching myself inserting, you know, Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, divinity, and Holy Face. Ah, <laughs> of course, very later, good, very good. Uh, that's my personal personal thing. That's you wouldn't do that out in public, of course. <laughs> but anyway, both of them have a very special role too as victim souls because they're taking on the punishment due to sinners. They're taking on themselves to bring the grace to these people. They're really participating in uh, the passion of our Lord in the same way St. Paul said, I'm making up what is lacking in Christ's sufferings. Well, what is lacking in Christ's suffering? Nothing in itself, but our participation is what's lacking. We need to participate in that suffering for souls. Oh, thank you for bringing that out. So if you're hurting, 
anytime, anywhere. Please offer it up for souls. And, you know, Therese was known um, to be, she offered herself in her act of oblation as a victim of God's merciful love. That was the title. The um, victim of God's merciful love. And St. Faustina desired to be an apostle of mercy. And, oh, we have so much more we could talk about. But guess what? Our time is already coming to a close. How could that be? (laughs) We are so glad, our listeners, that you joined with us tonight. And I invite you to come back with us um, next week when we talk about Carmelite books, some of your favorite books, or maybe books that you haven't heard of that are really good. I want to thank you, Deacon Baldwin, for being with us tonight. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a real blessing. Please come back and join us. And I would ask you, would you mind please ending this hour with a prayer? I will, and I'm going to take this prayer from the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Eternal God, in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us, that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will which is love and mercy itself. Amen. And may Almighty God bless each and every one of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Good night. God bless.